Good morning, everyone. We're glad that you're here. I thought today I would start off with a couple Pastor Todd jokes, if that's all right. And uh, we'll, see how they, we'll see how they go. Uh, if a child refuses to sleep during their nap time, are they guilty of resisting arrest? <laughs> a slice of apple pie costs $2.50 in Jamaica, costs $3 in the Bahamas, and $3.50 in St. Thomas. These are the pie rates of the Caribbean. <laughs> There's a groan. There we go. There we go. My friend keeps saying, tell me to cheer up, man. Uh, it could be worse. You could be stuck in a hole in the ground filled with water. I know he means well. <laughs> so he seemed to get worse, did they? They get worse. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Our message today, I'm, I'm uh, looking back at um, Mark chapter 5. And uh, I looked at this a few weeks ago when we talked about Jairus and his daughter. And this is part of that passage that I read. And it is the uh, passage about his daughter, or about the, the woman of faith. Now, let's see. And we'll read through, um, starting to read at verse 24. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him, and a thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came up in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Our Heavenly Father, we pray over the next few minutes that, God, you would just open our hearts to your word and that, God, you would speak to us. That, God, whenever we read your word, there's something for us. There's some truth. There's some message that, God, you would have us to hear. And I pray that today our hearts would be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's some background information, so first of all, we'll just go through that. We do not know who this anonymous woman of faith is who turned Jesus around in the crowd. Her actions and her faith have stood out both in Scripture and history, and she's recognized for her great faith. She must have been very sick. Uh, for 12 years, she had suffered with this. 
there's a good chance that she was very weak and weakened by her condition and thin. And, and yet we see her faith as being something strong. Now, legally, according to the Jewish law, she was not allowed to be in the crowd. In Leviticus chapter 15, it talks about um, this kind of issue and that anyone who touched her or she touched anything, it would be considered unclean. And so she was not to be in the crowd touching people, coming up against people, because we know from the scripture that the people were, were jostling and touching Jesus. So it would have been impossible her, for her to get to Jesus without touching people. For 12 years, she had been alone, isolated. Alone or from physical touch, a hug and embrace. People had the rights, according to the law, to cast her away, whether through their words or sticks and stones. Therefore, she was not allowed to be in that crowd among the people, but she could also not come before Jesus through the crowd and fall at his feet and beg. What seems impossible with men is possible with God. She had spent all she had. She went to physicians to get all the help she could get and yet grew worse. And there's three things that stick out in this message for me. First of all, faith in a crisis. This is head-turning faith. We read, for she said in verse 28, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. How did this anonymous woman of sickness become this woman of faith? Like her name, her journey of faith is unknown. She had heard the stories about Jesus. Whether she had heard about his healing power, whether she had heard him, we do not know. Somehow, faith arose within her. And stirred up within her with the hope of healing, of finding what she needed. There's a story about Billy Graham when he started his ministry in 1949 that he was struggling with faith. Now, not, the, not struggling with God and, and salvation through Christ, but many other things, and, and it became a real battle. He actually, in his autobiography, uh, is quoted as saying it was like being stretched on a rack. Sometimes... The difference between touching Jesus or, more importantly, experiencing Jesus' touch is overcoming the obstacles of faith. Sometimes these very obstacles are the means, are the way of our greatest spiritual growth in God. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does, does not put us to shame. Because God's love 
has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The whole process of the Christian life is about growing and maturing. And sometimes we face difficulties and challenges. To be honest, all of us face difficulties and challenges at some point. The Christian life is about that growing. It's about that process of becoming more like Christ. And many times, it's through these difficulties and challenges that we grow. We read in 1 Peter, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being affected or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter talking here is talking about growing and maturing, like the fruit of the Spirit developing within our life. It's meant to be something that keeps growing and maturing. None of us are done. While we are still on this side of eternity, God is still working within our lives to make us something that reflects Him and gives Him glory. Can you say amen? Sometimes that process can be hard. Can you say amen? Not as strong but it was still there. We've experienced that. Sometimes we don't see it until we're on the other side of an obstacle, a difficulty. Sometimes we don't really see what God was doing until we can look back and see how things have changed, how we've grown, how we've matured in Him. But during those obstacles, those difficulties, that's where we need to have faith and trust in Him. There's a Christian misunderstanding that the Christian life should have no problems, no difficulties in life. Sometimes we think that if we're really Christians, then we shouldn't have problems. And so we struggle when we go through hard times. But Jesus never promised that. He actually said in John chapter 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In this world... You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This world we know is a a fallen world. We know that this world is made up of imperfect people, and we're a part of that. Sometimes the obstacles and the things that we faced are because of people or people's decisions or sometimes our own decisions. We also live in a fallen world that, well, there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of things happening in our world. And... More so as we continue to get closer. Wherever we are in the return of Christ, things are going to continue to move on. Even pollution and sickness seems to be in the rise. The tribulation, the Greek word here means affliction, anguish, burdens, persecution. It also means pressing or pressure. Sometimes in our spiritual walk with Christ, we feel that pressure, that, that pushing against us. Jesus says we're going to have that. He says, but I have overcome the world. Not that you will not have any problems, but the problems of this world are exactly that. They're of this world. They will not last for eternity. 
He is victorious. We can stand in him and have his peace because he has given us the victory. We may still walk through challenges and difficulties, but we walk through in and through Jesus Christ with him walking with us. You may have peace. It's when we get our focus maybe off of the troubles, the obstacles, and we start focusing more on him that we find the rest and the peace that we have in him by believing, trusting. Maybe we don't understand. Maybe we don't know why this is happening, but we trust in the one who has revealed himself to us, who has shown and proven his love on the cross. I trust him. I rest in him. Amen? That's where we find the peace. Peace is not the absence of difficulties and challenges. Peace, the peace of God is even in the midst of hardship. We have a peace that comes from him. Something this world can't give and this world cannot take away when we focus on him. Again, sometimes these very obstacles, these very challenges of faith are the means of our greatest spiritual growth and maturity. That doesn't mean we should like them, but it means that we can have faith even going through them. For 12 years, this woman had sickness and suffering. For 12 years, she knew physical distancing and isolation. For 12 years, she knew human failure and financial ruin. What could have destroyed some people and caused them to withdraw and to give up caused our anonymous woman to arise in faith, to cast off any doubts, to push her way forward and reach out to take hold of Jesus Christ. That's why this woman, who we do not know even by name, stands out in Scripture as a woman of faith because even in the midst of her conflict, After years of suffering, she took hold of faith and she drew near to Christ and took hold of him. Don't let your faith be dictated to, directed by, or destroyed because of physical difficulties, delays, fears, and uncertainties. Stand up in the faith that you have in Christ, trusting and believing in Almighty God And Jesus Christ, even when all around you seems dim and hopeless, arise to the challenge to head-turning faith. A faith that makes God stand up and turn around. When you say, I will not let go. I will not stop believing and trusting. I'll tell you, I believe that brings glory to God. I believe that that shakes hell itself when we choose to stand in faith and believe even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. Head-turning faith is faith that turned Jesus around. St. Augustine said this, flesh pressed, but faith touches. Crowds jostled around him, but about up. But agony and need touched him. And he can always distinguish between the jostling of a crowd 
and of a mob and the agonizing touch of a needing soul. When we reach the bottom, the end of the road, we find Jesus there. One of my favorite stories in scriptures is the criminal on the cross. We know in scriptures, the other Psalms, that he also, whoever he is, mocked Jesus as well. But there came a point where he saw something in Jesus. When the other criminal started mocking Jesus, he rebuked the other criminal and said, we're getting what we deserve. We're getting the death penalty because we deserve it. But he's innocent. He saw something in Jesus. And his heart was changed. And faith arose. And he said these words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't ask for anything big. He didn't ask that he'd be taken down from the cross. He just said, remember me. Think of me. And Jesus spoke those words that must have changed his life. At the very end, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. All the torments of the cross that this criminal was going through must have seemed a lot lighter when those words were spoken to him. Words of hope and life. You see, it's not the size of faith that Jesus responds to, but the genuineness of it. There is power, even in imperfect faith, our, our own weaknesses, even in us, when we reach out to take hold of him. When we believe, when we trust in him, then he shares his power with us, reaches down and touches our life, becomes part of what we're going through, standing with us, walking with us. Anonymous faith. Humble faith. Determined faith. Simple. Head-turning faith. This woman went with all her human weakness, pressed through the crowd to take hold of even just the hem of his garment and experience something that changed her life forever. The power in the crisis is the next thing. At the moment that she touched Jesus... She received something, but Jesus also recognized something happening in him and through him. Jesus perceived that in him, power had gone out and had touched someone. Power is the Greek word here is dunamis. This power was of the Holy Spirit again when, when God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, came down and was, became Jesus. He laid aside or... He acted upon and worked through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was so close that Jesus perceived that power had gone from him through someone reaching out, through someone's faith taking hold. He recognized something had happened. We serve a, a great God. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. All kinds of scriptures talk about it. I'm not going to take time to read this, but... It says, but by the first 
verse says, but by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. We serve an almighty God who created the heavens and the earth through a spoken word. That's who we serve. God is almighty. He is all-powerful. Faith, hope, and trust can release that power into our lives, into our situations, like it did for this anonymous woman. As we humbly seek him and draw near to him, open and surrender our life to him, we can know him. And we can know him in our life, in our situation. But I want to make it clear that God is not a vending machine at our disposal. He is not someone who we can take our loony or toony prayer, put in and push the button and get what we want. God is almighty. He is sovereign, creator of all that is. He has a purpose, a plan. He has a will. That is who he is. That's why when we seek him, we can come before him with confidence through the blood of Jesus Christ. By his grace, we can call him Abba, Father. Amen? But we don't come with arrogance like we deserve it. Like our life somehow matters more than anyone else's. And demanding what we pray for. We come before him with fear and trembling. In an awe of who he is. And we seek him. And we draw near to him. And we, as we pray... Even as Jesus prayed, we pray with confidence, but we pray with a surrender. God, your will be done. There's nothing he cannot do. We also surrender and believe in how he will do it, trusting in him. One of my scriptures, the big why question, why sometimes things happen and why prayers sometimes aren't answered. I don't know. But I trust him. This scripture is, is Paul's scripture, the thorn in the flesh. and We don't understand and really know for sure what it is. Some people think it's, it was a physical thing that uh, he was praying for. But he pleaded with God to be healed or to have this removed. And it wasn't. And Jesus, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I do not understand why some prayers are answered and why some prayers aren't. I do not stop praying and trusting. And I believe God can heal. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is. But when it doesn't happen, I put my faith and my trust in him that he is at work and he's doing something. There was a man a few years ago I've had the opportunity to journey with a lot of people while here in Sudbury who have journeyed um, to the end of their life. Praying with them and trusting and believing with them. 
But there was this one man I, I met. Um, he had a, a, a church background. And here at this point in his life, he uh, reached out. On, I was uh, put in contact with him and began a journey with him. I tell you the story because in his bedroom at home, after leaving the hospital, he went home, sick in bed. We talked about God. We talked about salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Um, I answered the questions to help him understand, and he wanted that. So I told him, I said, I, I can't pray that for you. Like, we can pray for someone to, to receive Christ. And we need to keep praying. Amen. And I, but I told him, I said, that's something you have to personally ask God for. So, I mean, it was a very simple, childlike prayer. But I'll tell you, my life is different because of what I experienced in that bedroom. The power of God was so real in it. It amazed me. As he, as he prayed those simple words, God was there. He did not get healed. And my next few visits with him before he passed, he would talk about how different his life was. He would talk about this peace. He would talk about a joy. He was very sick and close to death. And yet he experienced something in God. Salvation, forgiveness. He had hope of eternity. I do not know why things happen the way they do, but I trust God. Because he is a great God. Who is able to do far more abundantly than we should ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. James says this, or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. God is jealous for us. Our relationship with him. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud. But gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. God's power is available to all who seek him and draw near to him. How God chooses to release that power is up to him. He is sovereign. He is God. He has a will, a plan, and a purpose. Our part is to trust him until the journey's end. I had the honor of speaking at Meg Ziliak's funeral on Friday, and I shared that. But to the end, she had a faith in God. 
She rested in him. And uh, that's how she entered eternity. With a faith and a trust in God. Lastly, acknowledgement in a crisis. If the power we talked about reveals who God is, then the acknowledgement reveals who we are in him. There was no rebuke from Jesus for this woman breaking the law and touching him. There was no rebuke for her lack of faith for not coming to him openly. There was no rebuke to say, what took you so long? She reached out, touched his garment. Power went from him. Jesus knew someone had unlocked power, healing power. He stops, he turns around, he says, who touched me? Now, this is God talking. Jesus, part of the Godhead, all-knowing. He would have known who touched him, and yet he gave the opportunity for this woman to come up. She acknowledges what she did. She confesses the whole thing to him. Jesus acknowledges her. Daughter. Can you imagine this, this woman who had spent so long and alone in her suffering? Really an outcast. To be spoken that tender phrase of love and comfort. He acknowledged that she was a true daughter of Abraham, a daughter of faith. But this word, this phrase, also Jesus recognized her as his own. Twelve years of sickness and suffering, gone. Twelve years of physical distancing and isolation, gone. Twelve years of human failure and financial ruin, gone. I want to close the service today and share some things on my heart. As I prepared this message, there's been a couple things. And I know there are people who are going through difficulties and challenges. I know there are people who are, who are hurting and feel alone. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you. He has not changed. His love has not changed. I encourage you to draw near to him. There's a man that went to the doctor. And in the process, he told the doctor, he says, I'm pretty sure my wife is going deaf. The doctor says, well, you can go home and you can try, you know, try talking farther away and see if she understands and get closer and closer. So he gets home and she's in the kitchen working. So he says, you know, what's for supper? No reply. So he comes to the kitchen door and he says, What's, what are we having for supper tonight? Again, no reply. So he gets up right behind her and he says, what are, we, what are we having for supper? She turns around frustrated. She says, for the third time, we're having chicken. Sometimes we think the problem is with God with someone else. God hasn't gone anywhere. In the midst of your difficulty and your challenge, God is with you. 
we sometimes lose sight of that, struggle with our faith. Where's God? He's there. He's here. Draw near to him. Seek him. Humbly come before him. And he will lift you up. There are some here today or watching or who may be watching in the future who struggle with whether God loves you. I want you to know that he does. And you might say to me, you don't know me, you don't know my life, you don't know what I've done. You see, the incredible thing about God is it doesn't depend upon us being good enough. We could never be good enough for God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one in this room, there's no one watching today perfect and holy in and of themselves. That's where God's love stepped in. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know if he loves you? Then think about the cross. I know I've said it again and again, but it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. But it was his love for me that kept him there. God loves you. And I know that that might seem scary and taking a step of faith may seem scary and hard. But if you're hurting, if you're alone, if you have felt like this woman who for years was isolated alone, maybe you feel that way because no one knows what's going on inside you. I want you to know that God does. And if you're hearing this message today, it's because God wants you to know how much he loves you. He's already turned around waiting for you to reach out to him. Take hold of him with maybe a weak and an imperfect faith, but genuine because you want his help. You want to know him, his freedom, his healing, his strength, his comfort, his peace, his joy, even when around you is pain. God can give you that. If you will, but take hold of him. Coming to God, receiving his forgiveness costs us nothing. He's paid it all. But coming to God and choosing to live for him means that that's what we're going to do. And sometimes on that journey, there can be heartache and trouble. But we have a friend that sticks even closer than a brother and family. We have one who will never leave us or forsake us. And I pray that your faith will arise today to believe that and to draw near to him today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close.
and wherever you are in your journey with God. God knows what's going on in your head. He knows our thoughts, our struggles. So there's no hiding with him. So just choose to draw near to him. Choose to just lay it all down again. I don't know what his plan and will is for you and in these circumstances that you're going through, but I know whatever it is, it's good. Sometimes I recognize that we go through things maybe for ourselves, maybe for other people around us as an example, but ultimately for the glory of God. So how you live for him, choose each day to live for his glory, for his honor. And he will do something great in you and through you. If you need to, if you know you want to, maybe you never have before asked him to forgive you of your sins, then you can do that right now, right where you are. Just like that man I talked about, doesn't have to be this incredible elaborate prayer. All it is is saying, God, forgive me. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, forgive me of my sins and make me your child. And the scripture says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like that woman that 12 years was gone. She had new life. That's what's yours through Jesus Christ. And if you make that prayer today, do not keep it a secret. Tell someone. Contact us here at the office because you're not meant to walk it alone. We're called a body. Imperfect. But a body to help and to support one another. To encourage and lift each other up in our prayers and through our words of encouragement. That together we would glorify him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. God, again, I stand amazed before you as I think about your love for us, for me. Father, I pray for each one here, each one watching both right now and in the future, I pray, God, that faith would arise within their hearts like never before. To encourage them to draw, that they would draw near to you like never before. That, God, that they would take hold of you and believe like never before. Whether things are difficult and challenging in their life or whether things are okay, that, God, a faith to draw near to you, to know you more, a hunger within their very spirit and soul would grow. And that, God, you would touch their lives, reveal yourself to them. But God, we, we need to stand in faith, not on feelings. So, God, I pray that that faith would arise. For those even right now who are asking you maybe to be the Lord and Savior of their life, God, let that faith arise. May they experience in you that forgiveness of sins. All of us have had different experiences. 
All of us have had different when we received you, how that felt or responded. But God, it is through faith that we confess our sins and faith that we know that you forgive us. God, I pray that they would stand today knowing a new life, that God, you have forgiven them and that you are with them to the end. Lord, I pray that you would work miracles. Our country needs you like never before. God, there are so many people who are hurting, who are struggling. There are so many people, God, who feel alone and empty. Lord, I pray that you would move by your spirit and draw people to yourself. God, help us as your people to be the light to show your love and your forgiveness. Some people don't know what that looks like. Some people have never seen it or experienced it. And how will they unless they see it and experience it through us? So God, help us be your people for your glory and for your honor. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Go and be the light this week. And I pray that God would show you himself in such a real way. God bless you. Bless you.